You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with the biblical worldview. There is a war that's raging for the hearts and the minds and the spirits of men and women. And you and I, as Christians, are on the forefront of that battle. The question is, what will you do? To find out more about the Northfield Radio Program and Caleb Gordon, go to www.calebgordon.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. I am so, so, so excited that you're here with me today. Wow, my goodness. Summer is in mid-swing. It's hot out. Swing by Outpost Coffee and pick up an iced coffee. These guys have got incredible beverages that will absolutely just refresh your day. Check them out at outpostcoffeeco.com. In our culture today, marriage is under attack like never before. We see people that are getting divorces on a regular basis. We see people separating. We see people struggling in their marriages. And I honestly believe it's because we do not have a biblical understanding of what it looks like to be a godly man and a godly woman. On last week's radio show, we had an exclusive sermon clip from Matt Chandler that addressed what it looked like to be a godly woman. So this week, Pastor Matt is going to address what it looks like to be a godly man. So I pray that you enjoy this. It encourages you. It challenges you to know and to understand what it looks like to be a biblical, godly man. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be handled. This is interesting because this is a fraction of the length of what was commanded to women, um, but it's the list is actually longer. It's kind of, if you think about it, it's kind of funny because he breaks down detail for the woman and then for the man, he just kind of gives broad strokes. Okay, so let, let me un- unpack this to you. Likewise, husbands should live with their wives in an understanding way. This is the same, look at me here. This is the same Greek word as the word considerate. Husbands should live with their wives in a way that's considerate. If I could make it simple, I would just say this. Get up. Get off the couch. You have, biblically, just as many responsibilities as home as your wife does. So what ends up happening, in the Christian world in particular, is we divide it into, this is what I do as the man, this is what she does as the woman, and then we like to pretend that her role on top of all of that is also to support us, but we don't put that street going back the other way, where our job is also to support her and her calling at the home. So what ends up happening is a wife cooks dinner after she watches the kids all day long. The husband comes home and his job now is to watch Sports Center over and over and over again where the poor wife then has to go back and then do the dishes, get the kids in the bath, put the kids to bed and then at 10, 15 at night she finally has a second to breathe. Get up! If she cooks, you come home and you clean the dishes. You help her set the table. Men, put your kids to bed at night. Let her breathe. Look at me. Your wife has a soul. 
Like you get, she's not your servant and she's not a sex toy. She has a soul. Do you know what a full day around children will do to you mentally? (laughs) Put them to bed at night. Give her that three hours off for your own safety. (laughs) Put them in the bath. Get them in their pajamas. Read to them their Bible story. Say their prayers. Tuck them in. Kiss their face. When your wife pulls into the driveway with a car full of groceries, you press pause on the TV, you self-exalting moron. You know generations before, you know what would happen? They'd have to miss it and go help their wives. God gave you a pause button on your television. (laughs) Not only that, SportsCenter's on over and over and over and over and over again. Get up. Are you serious? She's not your slave. Get up. Be considerate. Sometimes it's your role to feel her out. Sometimes she's stressed out of her mind and you need to get her out of there. Sometimes she's just done and she needs adult conversation. You gotta get her out of there. There's nothing biblically that says she's the one that vacuums the living room. Vacuum the floor. And on and on I could go, you be considerate. You live with your wife in a way that considers her soul, considers her mind, considers her emotions. Not only are we to be considerate, but we are to show honor with her as the weaker vessel. This, I, this weaker vessel is actually the same idea, the same word as porcelain, so we treat our wives like porcelain. So see, it's not saying, anyway. Let me get real simple on how I believe a husband shows honor to his wife. I think there are multiple ways, but they come in two layers, two main layers. Number one, um, I think that we, it, it's our role as husbands to honor our wives by developing and creating space for their gifts to grow. Um, Psalm 128.3 says, a woman who lives with a godly man will be like a fruitful vine, which means she'll produce, not children, but she'll produce. So I'll use, I'll use my marriage in regards to failing and, and hopefully getting some traction. Um, my wife is left-brained. She is a big-time artist. She is very creative, very artsy with all the joy and pain that comes with that personality type. So she writes music. In fact, we sang one of her songs here this morning, uh, You Are Faithful, the last song uh, I did or that we did before I walked up here. That was one of Lauren's songs that she wrote. She loves to write music. She loves uh, to paint. She loves to draw. She loves to decorate. She loves, she's left brain as left brain gets, okay? Um, so over the last few years, we bought a piano, bought a MacBook Pro with the tools on it for her to record and to cut and to tinker with her songs. Um, We are constantly trying as a family to create space for her to just be able to write, just be able to think, just be able to worship, just be able to get quiet, to be able to paint, to be able to do those things. We're constantly trying to, as a family, create that space. She's been actively involved in the recovery ministry here at the village for years. Every Thursday night, it's me and three, which by the way, is my Friday is my Friday night. I'm at home with our three kids while Lauren loves on women in recovery. Now, because I know some of you masculine macho CEOs right now have something going through your mind, let me say this also. The Village Church runs between seven and 8,000 adults on a given weekend. There are 90 men and women on staff that are managed 
across three campuses. To use the shepherd sheep analogy that's in scriptures, I don't know how much you know about my job, but I'll say it just nicely like this. The shepherd rarely gets to play in the middle of all the healthy sheep when they're having a barbecue and playing a volleyball game. He's on the fringes where the wolves and the sheep with rabies are. So a great deal of my week is spent walking through the tragedies, heartaches, and sins of other men and women. On top of it all, constantly taking sniper-like shots from men and women who disagree with how we do things. Sometimes to a level that's just crazy. So two weeks ago, I sent out an email that said, hey, on Saturday nights at seven, we're gonna try uh, to utilize technology a little bit better so that we might have a dialogue. So after the sermon, you'll be able to, or you'll be able to text in questions while I preach and then I'll answer them as soon as the sermon's over. Um, really, there were two motives behind this. One is to dialogue a little bit about what we're talking about because that's healthy. Number two is I don't wanna lose touch with where you are. And so what happens on Saturday night at seven is I actually get to tweak my message moving into Sunday morning because I'm going, oh, I didn't answer that question. That's a question people are asking. So we, we thought it was really healthy. I got this real hateful little spiteful email this week that said, this sounds like a last ditch effort of a dying church to entice the next generation to come. (laughs) The reason I giggled is because in that email, I also said, Hey, we grew by 1500 last weekend. So do you see what I mean by crazy? Great. And then just because I have you, can I say this? We have not created a system here that hides from you. We'll receive any bit of rebuke and any bit of critique. but you sign your name when you send stuff in, you immature, weak little cowards. You sign your name, you silly, pathetic little boy. You don't take jabs behind an alias. Who does that? So in any realm, we're not above reproach. In any realm, you can question, you can come in and have your questions and don't take jabs at us behind some alias will you sit in the crowd and do nothing you narcissistic zero sign your name i probably need to get some help let i'll get i'll work through that i'll work through that i apologize all right back to work back to work okay so We show honor to our wives by letting their gifts develop. So I'm going to create space. I'm going to come home exhausted. I'm going to come home teetering on the line of wanting to sob and punch a hole in something. And I'm going to get on the floor and I'm going to play Transformers. So mama can get out of there and breathe. So mama can paint. So mama can write songs. There's no one in this room who walks in any more stressors than I do or is taxed for time any more than I am. And we make the space. We show them honor because God has not just called me, he's called her. Yeah. The second way um, is, and this is, I, I couldn't show you this exegetically, but I'll tell you that I think it's worked really well. Um, I lose all the little arguments on purpose. So here's what I mean. If you look at Christian couples, 90% of the time, literally 90% of the time on major issues, they come to consensus, okay? They look at the Bible, they pray, 
They talk with one another. They might even seek wisdom from outside. They make the big decision. Leah, let's move here. Yes, let's do this with the kids. Yes, let's spend the money on this. They make the decision and it's great. 10% of the time they can't come to consensus. Now, the scriptures say that when they can't come to consensus, the weight falls on the man to make the call. All right? So the man then needs to say, I love you. I hear that. I'm concerned about that too. I think we need to go left here. And they do that knowing and understanding that all the implications of them hearing wrong fall not only them, but now on them, but also their family. Okay? Since that's true, and since twice now in my marriage, I've had to say, I think we need to go this way. Yeah, I know, baby. I think we need to go this way. I'm going to lose every other conversation. I do not pick the music we listen to in the car. I do not pick the movies we go and see. I did not pick the car. I didn't. Um, I, don't, I did not pick the couch we bought. I did not pick the colors of the wall. I did not pick the flooring we put down. I did not pick the house that we bought. I did not on and on and on I could go. Now, listen to me. I have strong opinions about everything. <laughs> strong opinions about music. Strong opinions about movies. Strong opinions about style. My wife and I's style in regards to like how we decorate the home are in different universes. Doesn't change the fact that our house looks like a cottage. It doesn't. I've been urban my whole life. Love urban, love modern. I, my workspace isn't even that. My, somehow my workspace is cottagey. Just waiting for a gnome to run out from under my desk. All right? Ask her. I have never, I have never said, no, no, no. Just, can I have just this little space to decorate like this? Never. Never. I'll lose all of that. I'll go see Jerry Maguire. Why? Because there's coming a day, I'm sure there is, it's happened twice already, I'm sure it's coming again, where I'm gonna have to go, okay, but we're going left. I do hear you, I do respect you, I do love you, and in that moment, my, lo- my job is to lovingly lead her, and her job is to lovingly submit. I have just found it far easier to make that hard call when she wins everything else. Yeah, we show our wives honor by cultivating their skills, talents, and desires, and we show our wives honor by losing the silly fights. Yeah. The last two ideas here in this text are really about why you shouldn't abuse your headship. Um, The first one is that we should show them honor as the weaker vessel because they are co-heirs with us. So I would would say it this way. Um... (laughs) A woman is not a second-hand citizen. We are equal. Now, um, you can have equals with a leader. Now, I know there's some business theory that would try to contradict that, but take the village. The village table is round. It is not rectangle. I am not king here. I do lose votes all the time. I do say, I think we should do this, and we end up not going that way because there's a give and take that comes, all right, when the table is round. So this co-heir idea is saying that the table is round. In a hierarchy, what happens is I say, do this. And the person below me on the hierarchy goes, I better do that or I'm going to get fired. 
All right. Now, when the table's round, you have to lead different because you don't want to say, do this because I said so. You want to have dialogue. All right. You want things to be pushed back on. You want an environment where it's okay to go. "Uh, I think that might be a dumb idea. You want you create you. We are co heirs with one another. It's this idea that you're going to stand in front of God right alongside your wife. And you're a fool to be emotionally, physically, mentally abusing God's daughter. Co-heirs. And then it wraps it up. This has been such an intriguing idea to me as long as I've been in ministry. Um, because the scriptures say that it, you'll disqualify yourself from ministry if you don't do this well. Um, the, the other thing that's very interesting here is it says, A man who doesn't lead his wife well and doesn't love his wife well, his prayers will be hindered. Um, and, and it's not that he, it, he won't pray, but it's just God's not hearing his prayers. All right. Um, and the reason this is, if you, if you start to dig around and you look at things like, well, I'll just read this text to you. First uh, Timothy three, four through six. Um, he must manage his own household well. So his wife should flourish with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Now listen to this. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So in this, he's saying, hey, if you want to lead out in the church, if you want to be a leader in the church, the litmus test for that is how well you love your wife. Uh, it's like that the marriage becomes the proving ground of compassion, gentleness, grace, mercy. All that God requires of an elder is proven first in the home. And where it's not proven in the home, he's disqualified. Uh, it's why we've made a real, like there's been a, a little bit of frustration over us canceling Saturday night's services. But we've been working on that for five years. You know why? Well, when we got to the church, we were all in our 20s. Thanks for being patient. We are staying until our 60s because we owe you that because you put up with us in our 20s. Now, who cared when we all had infants? Nobody cared that Saturday was a work day while we had infants. But our kids are getting into first grade now. That means you can give us Thursday and Friday off all you want. If our kids are in school, that leaves us zero days with our family. That's not happening. We've said it for, I've said it personally to the elders for six years. Better solve this thing for our kids at first grade. We better solve this space thing for our kids. And thank God he solved it. And we're not going back. Not for an extended period of time. Not until our kids get through their soccer games and their softball games. And I didn't ride that promise keeper pendulum all the way to the right. that says I have to be at all 492 soccer games a year that my kid plays. I don't believe it. But we need to be present we need to be with our kids. We need to be with, if you fail this test, you're disqualified to do what we're doing. In the same way, your prayers are hindered and the ministry that you have this desire to do and be a part of is hindered when you can't love one woman well. And this is what he commands of the man. Now this is hard stuff, is it not? Can I, if I can be real honest with you, I mean, you can't stop me and I've already been more honest than I probably should have been, but Like, can I tell you, there are still days that I'm driving home and in my head, I'm thinking I've done this, this, I've put up with this, I've accomplished this, I've got this done, I did this, I deserve this. You know, sometimes I still walk in my front door thinking that. In fact, right now in that moment, as I said that, a part of my brain went, yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to use a negative illustration and part of my brain was like, you do deserve it, Matt. No. 
But I don't. And so then I walk in all of a sudden as if my wife hasn't had a day, as if she hasn't been obedient, as if she hadn't. And I deserve, I deserve this, I deserve this, I deserve this. It's foolishness. It's sinfulness. And it's not what God's called me to. He's called me to serve my wife and my children. To die to myself, to love them like Jesus Christ loved the church, and to give of myself for them. Do you know how easy it is for me to get in that mode? Do you know how easy it is for a man to get in that mold? Do you know how easy it is for a woman? Do you know how easy it is for a woman to tear down her man? She doesn't have to be taught that. Man doesn't have to be taught that. It's intrinsic. We're sinners. We need the cross of Jesus Christ. You know how often men do this? You know how often women do this? In fact, you know how just feminized church in general has even become? Uh, all across the nation, the nation, uh, the, the numbers are that churches are by far filled with women, not men. Now, there's several reasons for that. One of it is just we really have a feminized almost everything. Worship music's the worst. You know, we're just like, I want to crawl in your lap and rub on your beard. I want to <laughs> kiss my neck, Jesus. I want, you know, you just, most men are just like, <laughs> just don't really want to rub anybody's beard. <laughs> I don't understand that. I, I don't want Jesus to kiss my neck. I don't believe. And we need to get into this doctrinally, but I don't believe I want a hickey from Jesus. I'm just not sure. All right? So what ends up happening, let me just be straight with you. What ends up happening is a woman drags her husband to church and then tries to be the Holy Spirit on the way home. She drags him to church, all right, where we sing about stroking Jesus' beard the message usually isn't preached to men, it's preached to women, which means it's highly emotive, all right? Very flowery, very, it's not direct, it's not straight, it's not, and, and then you get in the car and, and the wife the whole way home is like, you hear him? When are you gonna do what he's saying? Why do you hate us? Why do you, and she just knits at him and knits at him and, knits and just, just emasculates him. You've gotta Stop. You've got to stop. I promise you, if you'll become the woman God has asked you to become, God will come after your man through your godliness. I've never known a man to respond to that. Even if you just beat him down enough to make him come to church with you all the time, I just don't understand how that's a win. And men, I, I mean, I've found this culture to be just filled with weak narcissistic cowards. When are you going to grow up? Paul says it clear. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I played like a child. I did childish things. When I was a man, I stopped doing childish things. What about my needs? Grow up. Love your wife well. Serve her. Care for her. Get help where you find yourself to be domineering. We need the cross. We need the grace of Christ in this. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have days where one does better than the other. But may God strengthen this core, beautiful relationship that he's given us. The reason I talking about marriage in the middle of a series on sanctification is because nothing sanctifies you more quickly than marrying another human being. 
you have no real depth of understanding how depraved, how selfish, and how self-exalting you are until you marry another human and live in the house with them. And so the reason, if you ever hear anybody say, oh, our first year of marriage was really rough, usually what happened is they lived by themselves beforehand and there were no problems. And then they got married and it went, well, yeah, two selfish people who are sinners living in a house, it's gonna go bad. So God's giving, men, God's giving you an opportunity. You know why it's difficult? Because some of you, you're like, I'm doing all I can, man. I married crazy. Okay, then God, the sovereign of the universe, knew you needed crazy to unattach your hands for the things of this world and put them on him. You're being sanctified in this relationship. Of course it'll sting. Of course it'll be hard. Of course there'll be difficult days. Of course you're being sanctified. You don't get sanctified by running. And you teach your kids with your life, not just your mouth. It's a horrible shame that so many of our generation had to learn loyalty from the dog. I, I know you're in here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who you are, but I know you're in here. I know there are women in here who have used their tongue to tear down and attack and badmouth and chew up and emasculate and berate and belittle your husbands. You need to repent. I'm not saying your husband is right. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve some of what you gave him. I'm saying that God has not given it to you to do it. And you need to repent before the Lord and you need to seek your husband's forgiveness. And I know you're in here. I don't know who you are, but I know you're in here. You overgrown, immature little boy with a wife and a house. I mean, it's time. It's gotta be time for you. It's got to be time for you to take seriously the things of God. It's got to be time for you to seriously step up, to begin to love your wife well, to work on your own sanctification, your own healing. Some of you are getting in consistent fights with your wife over nothing, taking everything she says personally as some personal attack. That's a sign of your own insecurities and pride. It's what recovery is for. It's what biblical counseling here is for, to get to the bottom of some of those deep issues. Please don't keep doing nothing in the hopes that something's going to change. Um, Some of you are in the middle of divorce or already divorced and carry a great deal of pain. um, I, I can't preach the cross of Jesus Christ to you enough. I can't preach the forgiveness of sins and the healing work of Jesus Christ to you enough. All you can do at this point is own your part. Press into the Lord. Let him heal you. Let him work on you. Let him reveal in you. May God strengthen our marriages here. And as I pray daily, may he raise up a group of men here that exemplify what he's called us to be in Christ. Self-sacrificing self-giving, gentle warrior saints. Well, I hope that encouraged and challenged your hearts to look at your own sanctification in your marriage and to really press in and to put your hope in God, 
to pursue him, to know him, and to love him. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a second chance. Thank you for forgiveness and redemption. And I pray that marriages all over our country will be healed and they would be brought back to wholeness. God, we love you and we know that you are able to do all things. And we pray this in your beautiful and precious name. Amen. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.